Welcome to Work Life and RV, Episode 4, a podcast about living and working full-time from a tiny home that goes down the road. I'm Chris. And I'm Hadia. And since 2015, we have lived full-time in Lady Jupes, our RV. Today, we are trying to get our head back on straight after a thoroughly weird trip. Yeah, I'm still a little sleep groggy. Uh, but in this episode, we're talking about the trip we meant to take. And then the very weird trip we ended up taking thanks to the whole COVID-19 outbreak that happened while we were on the road. I think for this one, we skip the format and we just tell this story because there's a few, I think, three key items we learned. So I think we should just jump into it. We left for a trip to Denver that by the time we pulled out of the junkyard was no longer a trip to Denver. It was a trip to we had no idea where, and yet we knew we had to do it. I wanted to go east. That's all I knew. But we also wanted to avoid a winter storm that was rolling into the Pacific Northwest, which we thought we were very cleverly going to avoid by going to Denver (laughs) until Wyoming had to shut down I-80 thanks to 60-mile-per-hour winds. Combine that with everything being shut down in Denver – Due to the outbreak. Yeah. And the whole reason we were going for two different business trips canceled. So that wasn't happening. We thought, well, we've, we've got the strange alignment of the universe where kid coverage is locked in, work coverage is locked in. You had events canceled. Mm-hmm. And so we thought, let's go. We've got the RV packed. We've got the time. Everything's working. Let's go boondock. And I was on the fence. But you lured, you lured me out. On, is that I the- shoved you out. I shoved <laughs> us out of the junkyard. I can see the look in your eyes when you're slowly dying inside because you haven't been on the road. And I make this out to be like this was all you. I think I was just as in need of this trip as you are, if not more so. I certainly was a stronger advocate for it, even though we had no idea what we were doing. Yeah. So how do you justify that? How do you say you need a trip when we didn't even know we were we we're going to end up? I don't need any justification. You do. But I am so on the other end of it. Sanity comes first. And in my opinion, we live in an RV because road trips provide us with much needed sanity. So when kid coverage aligns, when work can accommodate, we do it. You go. You don't miss that opportunity. And I find it meditative almost to go down the road and and just – have something to do that keeps me occupied. There's always something to do while driving that requires focus, but it's not so much that it's stressful or anxiety-inducing. It feels a lot like shower thoughts, like a constant stream of shower thoughts while going down the road. Have you heard that term before? 1,200 miles of shower thoughts. <laughs> yeah. So for me, it's a great opportunity to process stuff and think through things, strategize. Or if I don't have that to do, listen to content and just sort of take stuff in, edificate. I've heard you say it in the past that it is a way of your background programs to get front and center when they don't normally get to be front and center. So you get to pay attention. Um, It's it's like subconscious processing that comes to the forefront because you can't be doing anything other than looking at the road and paying attention to the vehicle. Right. So you're right. In that sense, it was pretty important. And we set out on Thursday and we did a little bit of driving, did a little bit of working, Mm -hmm. stopped at a rest stop that we like a lot that has fantastic cellular service. So we are in the 
Pacific Northwest, and we are in the very west corner of that in North Washington. Washington, Washington is, is split into two sides. There's a west side that is the I-5 corridor right along the Pacific Ocean. And then when you go on the other side of the Cascades, there is eastern Washington, which is a, a very different kind of terrain, and it's the larger part of the state. We wanted to go east and then south into Oregon. And that was a gorgeous trip. And along the way, we would stop at rest stops, do a little bit of work, touch in, check in on things. Because as we were going down the road, along with uh, things changing on our destinations, things were changing at home because our kids were being held back from school. Family restaurants were being shut down. Family hotels were being shut down. Like we were really receiving a lot of intense information while we were on this trip and processing what to do about that. And should we go home at every opportunity? And every time we'd be like, was this where we bail? Do we go home now? As much as I'd like to just tune out and not pay attention to this, I don't want us to get stuck not being able to get back into Washington. That's what I'm, I think I'm mostly... I'm not minding this. Well, the national emergency is kind of a big deal. I just, I don't know. You, you know, you leave and you just don't... You never know what's going to happen when you're gone during something like this. I think you and I frequently are paying attention to social media and taking everything with a grain of salt. But this was one of those instances where we were like, how much of this is panic and how much of this is legitimate information that we need to be paying attention to? So we're on the road. We find out just three hours into the trip that the kids are now out of school for six weeks. Luckily, we'd been chatting with their mom and she knew that we were going on this trip and she it was not a big deal because we'd be back within a week. And by then we just scoop up the kids. We we still haven't gone through that entire week. We came back so early because of all of these weird, unforeseen events. So these shutdowns from COVID-19. But then even though we knew this, we kind of forgot as we were going through Oregon that that storm was coming. And we start with wintry weather. A storm bringing heavy snow and ice to the mountains today is already creating dangerous road conditions. ODOT shared this photo and of a crash. We weren't avoiding it anymore. By going, we weren't going to Denver. And we we got ourselves in a bit of a situation that maybe you could argue we, we should have foreseen, but we just didn't do the typical amount of research on a destination that we normally would. Because until we were there, we didn't actually know that Eastern Oregon was our destination. And then we were there. We're like, oh, this is nice. Let's hunker down on this BLM land for a few days. And then you're looking at the weather app and realizing, oh, shit, there's a storm coming through. It's dinner time. Yep. We have just parked and we're in the lava cast forest. Yes. And it was beautiful. It was beautiful. And we're sitting there. Looking and realizing, oh, it's going to get pretty cold tonight. Yeah, hmm. you know, low 20s. Well, well, we weren't thinking about that. But of course, haha, of course, we're at 5,200 feet. And then we get a storm warning and we look at each other and remember, oh, yeah, remember that storm we were avoiding? We're in the middle of yeah. it. And then we had to do that kind of last minute math. So I don't think there's any way for us to not get hit by it. Right. And it's not like there's a clear path if we left right now. They're like, there's no way, and it's too windy, and it's getting dark. The only thing we could do is get to lower elevation. So instead of being at 4,600 feet, or at, no, we're at 50, like, we're like at 5,200 feet. Are we? Yeah. Well, okay then. So we could get to sea level. Yeah, but in order to get to sea level, we'd have to drive through the storm. I think our quickest route, if we wanted to do that, is probably to go back north, go through Bend, and then Bend goes out to I-5. I would say... 
I would feel the most comfortable just, we could just tough it out. I would much rather tough it out. But the problem is we're really low on propane. Are we? Well, especially if you consider we're going to be running it quite a bit. Yeah. It's going to be tight. And we have to run it to keep the water bay from freezing. So we did indeed stay the night and wake up to quite a bit of snow. It's 5 a.m. recording this. I mean, what are the... I mean, I guess the chances are pretty high because it's March. But we ended up not going to Wyoming, and we still end up in a winter storm. Yeah. So I think the question is, is do we stay? You mean tonight? Yeah, I mean, do we just wait it out until, like, Sunday or Monday and then head home? Like, what's our thought processes on that? And then we really had to just make that decision to get out of there because we didn't have a full tank of gas. We didn't have enough propane. And we didn't know what the situation would be like after three days of snow at that elevation. It's not like it was just a little bit of snow. It was going to melt. We don't know what it's like at 5,200 feet. We live at sea level. If it snows, it generally melts before it hits the ground, but not up there. So we couldn't chance being stuck there until April. So we hit the road and start going down I-97. So we're um, we're just south of Bend, Oregon, which is central Oregon, um, just a little bit further south on 97, off on a forest road. We jump back on I-97. Meanwhile, Chris is looking at all of these horrible, horrible state like webcam street webcams and he's trying to figure out what the routes look like but they're they're named for people who are in the cities and local and know what all these the other name for all these streets are so he cannot figure it out it's just all the different states have different interfaces for their cameras and they have different ways of organizing the information and organs is clearly designed for for people that have lived in Oregon their entire life and yeah I, I really found it super frustrating just try to get the basic information and get an idea of which route to take. I think your call and, you know, we were debating a lot of different routes to take, but your call to go south and then into California and then go our way up by five to yep. avoid the bulk of the storm worked really well. The funny thing about it, though, was whenever we would stop for just 15 minutes to, f- to fuel up and maybe grab something or let the dog go outside... I would get a weather advisory alert pushed to my phone saying, you know, this area has extreme weather coming. And one time, one time I got the alert while you were inside paying for propane. And by the time you came out of the store, it was snowing like crazy. Yeah. We were literally out driving the storm the entire day. Just and just by a mile or two. It was. Yeah, there was times when we go around corners and kind of loop back a little bit and it would be snowing. <laughs> we would come around it again. Meanwhile, I'm feeling sad that this road trip that I'd wanted to be, I was like all hooked on like what I wanted this road trip to be. I wanted to be in the desert. I wanted to be warm. I just wanted to breathe and be still for a while. But instead, we're sort of racing. Yeah, we're having to keep move because every time we think this is where we're going to end up, it's time to move on for some other reason. And and we didn't want to get stuck in the snow with no mm-hmm. stuff. It was like that was our opportunity right there to park for a few days. And it didn't work out. We were both really bummed about it. But I was bummed about it because it meant driving in really unsafe conditions, in conditions I never really want to be driving in the RV. I'm going to take it slow at like 5, 10 miles per hour in first gear for a while and just see how we do. Yeah, it's like a very slow winter wonderland. There's no way we would have got out of here by tomorrow. I mean, if we would have waited and left like... If it kept snowing. Yeah, I mean, look at this. It is beautiful. And deadly. 
but beautiful. When we left our boondocking spot and we drove what I think was really only 45 miles to that casino travel center was white knuckled for you. I saw you turning the wheel one direction and the RV just gently drifting the other way. Yeah, it happened a couple times. Yeah, we were we were just barely on the road at the right time. There was there had been sun for maybe an hour or two at most, but there was times where the snowplow or the sander was just two or three cars ahead of us. And there was one point when the snowplow pulled off and then I just had to drive with just You were panicked going, should we just get behind him? I don't maybe we shouldn't be going anywhere. I'm like, it, yeah, I don't think we have a choice. Well, there's just there's nothing like the feeling of when you turn the wheel one way and your entire home goes the other direction. And even when it's just for one or two seconds, it scared me down to my core like, wow. And I said to myself, like, 10 more minutes of this. And what I knew, because I had you look it up, I knew that we weren't that far from the peak of it and we would be going down an altitude very soon. And we, this was the peak, the highest altitude we would be at. And I knew we just had to get through it. Um, otherwise, we were going to get buried. And it was just drivable. If we had been a couple hours earlier or if we'd waited until that afternoon when the, the second wave of the snow came, we wouldn't have made it. No. And we saw cars stuck on the side of the road. We saw accidents that had happened already. But there's no turning back. You go back the other direction. You just have to go through another pass. Yeah. You just have to go back up an elevation. Yeah. This was our only route. Yeah. And we would have stayed, I think, if it would have been possible. But we decided to go. And I think it was the right call. We spent a lot of time on this trip trying to figure out where we should go next because things kept changing. And mm -hmm. family members back at home were concerned that we might not be able to make it back in the state if we were gone for too long because things are developing very rapidly here. Mm -hmm. Even as we record this episode, things have changed today. And so that was also on our mind is we needed to get north Again, mm -hmm. just in case they locked things down. Which required us to go further south on 97 rather than just going west because going straight west from anywhere in eastern Washington means going through a pass. So we went down 97. You jut into I-5, the I-5 corridor in California, where we thought we'd stay for a couple of nights. But by the time we got there, we got another push notification and we just had to abandon that, too. We did not get out of the vehicle in California at all. Yeah, we quarantined in our home. Yeah. <laughs> it just was going down the road. Yeah, and we got to when we thought, okay, we'll camp at Weed, California. There's this place called, like, Friendly RV Park. Yeah, it looked pretty cute. Lots of good reviews on Campendium, good good sell signal. We could work for a couple of days out of there. And as we arrive in Weed, California, the old winter advisory, multiple, multiple inches of mm -hmm. snow, Passes will be hard to navigate. Yep. And that's when we knew, okay, we've got to keep going. We've Once again, we're not going to be able to stop. So we fill up on gas. We fill up our bellies. And we just drove for 10 hours straight over the passes, through Portland, through Seattle. I got to say, the best traffic we've ever had in our entire RV driving because of I think people staying at home isolating themselves. Yeah. It was Thanks, really everybody. Super smooth hey, sailing. we stayed at home. That's right. Hey, come on back. Looking good? Keep that angle? Yeah, straight back. You look great. Good. Keep going. Keep going. Stop. What about that? It was a hard drive, but at least wasn't. we didn't have to deal with traffic. And so there was that sort of silver lining. 
And I love it when we ace a landing right when there's still daylight as the sun was setting. We get into the home base feeling accomplished, feeling worn out. Like my body isn't quite uh, up to the task like it used. These, these drives used to be easier on me. And I think I've let myself go a little bit and I'm paying for it because I am I'm sore today. I feel hungover today. Um, I didn't sleep very well on the trip either because of all the stress of everything changing constantly. No, it wasn't restful. But you know what? It still shook up our brains a little. I think that it still yes. did the trick. I still got something out of it for sure. I really I I felt like I had an opportunity to implement what I thought I had learned about our new electrical system and implement it successfully. Like we really got that down. The solar system totally kicked butt. We were we were able to run off solar all day long. It kept our batteries topped off. Like it was that was great. Just getting to experience our home on the road fully operational with everything on, our lights and just like like we're hooked up at an RV park, but we're on we're on the road and fully mobile. That was really nice. You made some great meals, which mm-hmm. is always it's just something special about eating great on the road. So there was aspects of the trip that were very fulfilling. However, it feels like it's not quite complete yet because we may just end up right back on the road in another day or so because we got home and guess what? We've got a new problem. And this one's pretty substantial. You got the, you're looking at the control panel? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to turn it back on. So here's what happened. We plugged in to shore power as we do. That's the first thing we put jacks down. We plug into shore power and then we set up the RV as much as. And I think at that point, we just wanted to eat something and go to bed. Yeah. We were tired. We're like, we don't even need to put the slides out. We'll put the bedroom slide out. Yeah. Put the jacks down. And of course, we'll hook up to shore power because, you know. Why not? Why not? We're right here and we've got 50 amps. And uh, we hook it all up, flip the old breaker on for the shore power. And we hear this really strange noise. It, almost, it sounded like somebody dropped a box of rocks. Yeah. And then it goes away. And we're like, what was that? And it was just as Levi had walked under the RV. We thought maybe yes. he hit something. I don't know. You know, yeah, the dog. And um, we go about our business. Don't think about it much more. Go inside. I flip on a heater. And all of a sudden, we hear this a horrendous noise. It almost sounds like a bunch of a bunch of rocks in a box getting shaken. And that, I believe, is our automatic relay switch that chooses between battery power, generator power, or shore power. Mm -hmm. And when it chooses shore power, it makes that horrendous noise. If you're using battery or generator, no noise, and everything works fine. Now we have no shore power hookup until this is fixed. And that box, that junction box, is deadly. You could kill yourself working on it. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's one of those things where I'm sure we could do it. I'm sure we could shut off the power, and there's some basic troubleshooting we're going to do. But... We really can't like open it up and start working on it. It's really high power stuff and it's just dangerous. Yeah. It's a good thing that the kids aren't out of school and we're suddenly having them for many more days at a time than we usually 
do or that there's a travel ban in effect or that businesses are just not operating because that would really make it hard to get your home fixed. Yeah. Or could. Thankfully, AM Solar, the folks that did our solar install and our aces with this stuff are not closed. And it sounds like they're willing to help us out and uh, maybe fix it up for us. It's not part of the install they did. This is the automatic relay switch is just, you know, it's built into the RV. Um, but they know this stuff inside and out. It's just now the question is, where do we get it fixed? Do we do we go all the way down to the yeah. bottom of Oregon? Ironically, we had been in Eugene five hours, six hours prior. We had just driven. I was napping at the time, and we didn't even we didn't know it was broken. Yeah, we just drove right past AM Solar, like hey, and just kept going because <laughs> we had you know if we had stopped at if yeah, honey, I know if we had stayed in Weed. We would have hooked and, up. And hooked up. We would have figured out what the problem was and then just gone to AM Solar. I know. Well, it was Sunday, so maybe they would have been closed, but we would have, we'd would we be there right now. Yeah, we would have just driven Sunday, boondocked there overnight, and been there Monday morning when they opened up. But we just, we on the whole trip, we never mm-hmm. hooked up because we were- we, we were, didn't need to. Yeah, we were dry camping the entire time. And so we didn't know until we got home that something was wrong. And now it's at our home base. Just, we're sitting here. Like we're boondocking. Um, it's just it, it's just always something. So now we got to get that fixed. Thankfully, I think we have a couple of options. But if more businesses close down, if these shops close down, and we're essentially going to be stuck boondocking until the COVID crisis clears. Yeah. Which is really scary to think about because that could be weeks and weeks and weeks of us trying to. I bet you anything, even if AM Solar was officially closed. Somebody there would happily help us. Yeah. There's such great guys there. And I bet JR would too. If he if he has the parts and is able to do it, he would be yeah. happy to. And you know our buddy Jeff, I've been already telegraphing him troubleshooting. Just oh, really? Kind of see what he thinks. Uh, so, you know, just trying to if we can do anything, like he has some ideas for me, so some we'll try tonight after we get done, you know, doing all this podcast stuff. This is something that we just wanted to take a moment to record because for us, this was this was really quite the adventure. If you're looking for a way to make your three-day trip feel like a two-week trip, try throwing in a outbreak mm-hmm. and a winter storm. Yeah. Yeah, or even just changing the destinations constantly every three hours. Oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> really, each one of these would have made this trip really kind of a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it it made us overlook the things we got right. Like We nailed our power system. Yep. One of the other things that we did that I think we should try to do more often when it's just you and I is – we d- we decided we would try to make the RV totally livable with all the slides in, which meant, you know, leaving the seating spaces available for seating and not loading them with bags of stuff or whatever. And I really liked that because for the majority of the trip, we just ha- we just went down the road and parked overnight with our slides in. I think we only put the slides out when we were boondocking at Lava Cast uh, Forest. Mm-hmm. And that was the only time the slides went out. And it was great. No problem at all. And you nailed the food. We constantly had good food. We never ran out of food. We nailed it, not only because I did the right provisioning, but because I stocked the fridge so that I could reach the right food at the right time. Like, I didn't even bother using the drawers, the side drawer, because I knew I wasn't going to get it open. How many times have we gone down the road and go, oh, there's a great meal ready to be made. Oh, wait, can't access it. Yeah, when all the slides are in, Part that the the fridge door cannot extend all yeah. of the way. You can get into half of the fridge. So you were very clever on that. 
Uh, but we also had beverages and we had stocked up on essential supplies and we had gone through and organized some of the bays and redistributed some of the weight. So we weren't carrying a bunch of stuff we didn't need to mm. do. We had just the right amount of water. We nailed mm. that. Our tanks, we, we, we actually, we still haven't dumped tanks. <laughs> we got to do that after this too. Like everything in that regard, I think we, we really applied a lot of our lessons learned over the last five years to this trip. And it meant that we just were left dealing with all of these random things that kept coming up. I mean, this storm was no joke. When I was driving over the passes, the wind gusts were 25, 30 miles per hour. And in a 40-foot long RV, you really feel that. It felt like somebody was coming up and jerking the RV to one side, like the entire thing just moving three feet to one right. side. But we had we knew what tools to use, which a lot of times is us putting together a collection of apps and websites to figure out, is this getting worse or are we actually driving into something that's better? Because sometimes the right answer is to stop driving. The, the safest thing to do is just park. And we have definitely done that. But sometimes if you just go down the road a few miles, you're out of it. And, you, you know, if you have the right tools and you know what resources to use. And Hadi and I have also developed a language of driving. So she's a great copo is what I call her, my co-pilot, because mm-hmm. – uh, we have uh, like she knows what information I need. Like when somebody's on the shoulder and all of a sudden they start driving and moving, like she'll call it out, even though I may have seen it. She'll make sure I know that on that on that passenger shoulder, there's a car coming up on the shoulder or something like that. Something weird's going on. And we just have a we have a, you know, that kind of back and forth we have while going down the road is something that I think we've gotten really good at. And we don't even notice it anymore. And we have to acknowledge that Levi finally learned how to lay down on the dash when we tell him to. That was good. So he's not blocking my mirrors anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If he could if he could unlearn what the turn signal means, that'd yeah. be good. Because whenever the turn signal goes on. <laughs> he is excited. We're going, are, we, are we stopping somewhere? Do I get to go out? And then if navigation says, if Garmin says anything, yeah. he cocks his head one way and he's like, what's happening now? Yeah. He's a good little road dog. He's just a little neurotic. You know, like 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 all good dogs. So there's um, a lot we learned in that, but there was also a lot we just had to respond to. It was a very dynamic trip for us. I'm really glad we didn't chicken out, I guess is the, the word I want to use. Like for me, with all of this COVID stuff going on and all of the stress at work and the just kind of building up to these big trips that then all of a sudden weren't happening, I would have been so sad and so disappointed if we just never gone anywhere. We just yeah stayed there. And... um I could see it in your eyes after the scale not working out. Linux and Fest being Linux canceled. Fest, Northwest. Yes. And then the Microsoft thing, like things just kept. And I'm like, this is the one thing we have control over, which then <laughs> nature was like, oh, yeah, I'll you, show you got control. I'll over. show you this. However, we've got a couple of spots that um, more than a couple that we mapped, we marked on our maps to come back to. Yeah. So we collected a few favorite locations that will be no brainers in the future and won't be super busy either. Mm-mm. So we'll be back. Hey, let's do a little housekeeping at the end this time. Housekeeping. Housekeeping. Come back later, please. Housekeeping. Not now. Housekeeping. Yeah, just a quickie. I just want to say a big thank you to both M Effort and Jesse Yoga, who left reviews on Apple Podcasts for us. This is something that we're trying to do here at the beginning of the podcast. And we don't have a lot of folks using Apple Podcasts. So if you are one of them, we need your support, your reviews, your stars. They help others find the podcast. So thank you very much. It makes a big difference. Now, how about a little when full-timers rule the world? Oh, good. I've been waiting a week and a half to say this one. 
I'll do mine because mine's a really simple, quick one then, and then we'll get to yours. Google Maps needs to add cell signal strength when you're doing the mapping. That's it. You look up a location, put the cell signal information on there. You got Android phones collecting this data. Let me know what it is. When full-timers rule the world, I will make that happen. What about you? Okay, that's a good one. Yeah. Here's mine. Okay. When full-timers rule the world, Uh music streaming apps as of January 1st, We'll we'll hide all of your Christmas music. What's that got to do with RVs? Nothing. It's just that. <laughs> it's, but listen, full timers okay. when yeah. they rule, they're smarter than the ah of, right. So they would they, just say, "Hey, they we, won't put up with that bullshit." Right. I do not want Christmas music mixed in when I hit random. Word. When full timers rule the world, that kind of nonsense is coming to an end. La, la, la. 